0: Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's word.
1: Our Father and our God, uh, we just want to thank you for your amazing love for us, for calling us into your kingdom and equipping us with all we need to be overcomers. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together early in the morning, and seek your face, seek the words of life, seek the truth, the gem that's in your word. And so, Lord, help us today to receive that which you have for us. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and deposit rich things into our hearts. Help uh, the crevices of our hearts to be illuminated so that uh, we will dwell in the light, not Jesus as you are and be encouraged today to love you more and to love one another. All to the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are going to study the book of Genesis 23 and 24 today. And our memory verse is found in Philippians 2, Verses 1 to 4. And I'm just going to uh, read that out loud. Hopefully, uh, we are getting to memorize it uh, all. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, to the interest of others, so let's uh, get into the book in the into Genesis chapter twenty-three uh, for today's study. I've uh, consulted a couple of references: the ESV Study Bible and uh, Josephus, the uh, History of the Jews, the Antiquity of the Jews, as it's called. And for the first five minutes, what I'd like to uh, present to us today is to remind us that there are three human activities that God captures in our relationship with him. birth, marriage, and death. We are born again. Collectively, we are the bride of Christ. And all this and more have been made possible because of what we just celebrated this last week, Jesus' death and resurrection. So today in these two chapters, we'll see two of the activities, vital statistics as they call them, captured in Genesis 23 and 24. Now, these are fascinating stories. You probably can make movies out of them. The first one, as we shall see, is about, the death and burial of Sarah, but involves some bargaining. If you want to make a movie out of that, probably can title it, The Art of the Deal. The second one is about a beautiful bride. Let's start to that movie, Finding Rebecca. They make good fascinating. What we need to ask ourselves, why did God put this in the Bible? Simply, there is a story here for us to see today. In the first story, it opens with the sadness of the death of the beloved wife. We see, however, for the most part, the protagonist, Abraham, we are going to see in this story we get to catch a glimpse of the man. As we've been doing in the last few, three weeks, few days, going through the story of Abraham, I want us to catch and keep a glimpse of Abraham in our journey of faith. And the second story, Abraham is actually the minato. If Abraham is not the minato, it's his servant. And our focus will be on the main actor. But again, we must not neglect the instigator, Abraham, who wants a wife for his son. And the servant now brings that story to life. Now, both stories speak to the purpose of Abraham. You see, Abraham's appreciation of his purpose, just picking out in Genesis 23 now, we can miss it, but we're going to see it today. we're going to tease it out. The only reason Abraham is in this location in Hebron, which is just south of Jerusalem, into this West Bank, is that God had led him out of his father's land, as we read in the last couple of weeks, to show him a land which God wanted to give to his descendants. You see that in Genesis 12, 7. In this story, Abraham is not at all close to owning that land. In fact, it says in verse 3, Genesis 23, I am a stranger and a foreigner. Nevertheless, with the background of the promise, knowing what he has from God, and now needing a place to bury his wife, he chose the best plot of land. He really didn't care. And his sister was going to pay for it. They had the land, the price that was mentioned was apparently steep, but it was not distracting. He was going to get a resting place and a solace for his wife. Money was just going to be an article of the transaction. His focus was the land to bear his wife. In the context of God's promise, we see purpose here. It is that same purposeful approach that. Uh, Abraham applied in Genesis 24. It was time to find a wife for his son. A common thing at the time for parents to do that. He did not have any doubt in his mind that this wife must come from his kinsmen, not in the land of so- his sojourn, not in Canaan. We see God. Confirming that plan. And we now see an equally purposeful and meticulous servant who went after the story and brought it to life. At the end of the stories, both stories, Abraham achieved the subtext. He brought a resting place for Sarah, and Isaac himself found comfort in the love of his wife. But we know that Abraham, in the there and then, did not attain the overall promise. He did not, he wasn't close to owning the land that God has promised him. How is this so? Did God not promise? God did. Did he not fulfill it? He did. In us, in you and I. Um, If we look at Hebrews 11, it says, Abraham did not receive what was promised, that's a greater promise, since God has planned something better for us, so that only together with us will Abraham be made complete. Now this is the same exact reason why Jesus in Luke 13 6, 16 had to hear that woman, even though it was a Sabbath day. He said, "Should not this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be released from her bondage?" And she was released. We are here, you and I, to complete the purpose of Abraham in Christ. Now let's dwell. Let's delve into Genesis chapter twenty-three. We are going to read the whole chapter in a few minutes. Uh, well, let me set it up for us. There are two main events in the chapter Genesis 23: the announcement of Sarah's death and the precise age of that death was given, one twenty-seven years. We see Abraham mourning the loss of his beloved wife. The second part of that this event of the story is Abraham's effort in finding a burial place for his wife. Andrea has agreed to read for us. So Andrea, if you want to start Genesis chapter 23.
2: Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dad and said to the hittites i am a sojourner and foreigner among you give me property among you for a burying place that i may bury my dad out of my sight the hittites answered abraham hear us my lord you are prince of god among us bury your dad in the choicest of our tombs none of us will withhold from you, his tomb, to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and and entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zoar, that he may give me the cave of... Mishpela? It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites. Of all who went in at the city, know my Lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you, hear, if you will hear me, I give the price of the field, accept it from me that I may bury my dad there. Ephron Ephron answered Abraham, My Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth four hundred shekels of silver, what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephraim, and Abraham weighed out for Ephraim the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites. 400 shekels of silver according to the weights current among the merchants. So the field of Ephron in Meshpela, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area, was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Meshpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites.
1: Thank you so much, Andrea. And so we see at the end of the story, Abraham secured the burial place for Sarah. I mean, three is the key in getting his needs met. He said, I'm a stranger and a foreigner among you. Now they responded, they held him in good standing. He was called, my Lord, you are a mighty prince, in verse 6. And he went on to ask for a land that he, a choice land, to bury Sarah. And then we saw that negotiation going forth from his purpose, a man who's been promised that land for his descendants. A lot must have been going on in his mind. But at this point, he wanted the land, was not gonna get it, free. he didn't want to get it free, he wanted to own it. And there's a, a commentary around this that maybe they didn't want to give it to him so that they can take it back. But he wanted his name on that land, the deed for the land, and it. As we know today, that place is still standing as one of the holiest sites for the Jewish nation and the Muslim uh, people as well, because they also are. There's a lot of history around that place. But uh, the commercialization of that tourist site apart, the key here is that uh, not only was Sarah buried there, Abraham himself was buried here, And his descendants were buried there. And it became a symbol of what God was eventually going to do in keeping his promise of giving the land to his descendants. So purpose, we saw that at play. And Abraham was going to insist, or he insisted on getting the land and binding so that it's deeded into onto him. Now we're going to move now to Genesis twenty-four, and let me set that up again. It's now it's a very different story. It's about Abraham finding a wife for his for Isaac, and he needed a trusted servant to carry out the task. The servant was given very detailed instructions and more. Now, this is serious business. Abraham had to swear the servant to an oath. Now the servant is overwhelmed, expresses fears, doubts, and concerns, but Abraham took the time to justify his destruction to the servant. Now, what we're going to see is that the servant now took this task very seriously to 10 camels, lots of gifts along, and took some men with him. He was going to find a wife for his master's son. So we are going to pick up the story uh, from Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. And I'm just going to go quickly through milestones before we read uh, a chunk of the story. Judy's going to help us that. Right. So we start from the beginning. The servant is commissioned in chapter 24, and Abraham backed that commission with Anu. The instruction was to go to Abraham's country and his family to go find a wife. That commission comes to the provision. We see the provision in verse 16. Abraham was convincing the reluctant, well, certainly the fearful servant that the angel of the Lord will go with me, And so they took the oath in verse nine, and then the preparation, we see that in verse 10, very rigorous preparation by the servant. And now the servant arrives at the location. The first thing we see is the servant, who has obviously been uh, a a good student, a good servant, a good student of Abraham, now has his own relationship with God, as we will see. And this is the key part of the story. What the servant did and how he did First, verse 11 to 14, we see his detailed prayer. And then, those prayers were answered. You see that in verse 15 to 20. And boom, with answers prayer, he was first stunned. And then he expressed gratefulness through gift giving and worship and excitement. Soon the servant is taken to the house by Rebecca herself. Rebecca, who was the answer to the prayer in verse five, will now take the visitor to the house to go and meet Laban, her brother. So we are now gonna pick up that story. And the outline I've given will actually make more sense. Where we read through Genesis 24, verse 31 to 53. Can you start, please, Judy?
3: Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out there? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went into the house, and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder was brought for the camels, and water for him, and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, you must not not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, what if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked faithfully will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son and from my clan and from my family, my father's family you will be released from my oath. If when you go to my clan, they refuse to give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will please grant success to this journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside this spring if a young woman comes down to draw water, and I say to her, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, Drink, and I will draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered the jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nabor, whom Malachah. Bore to him. But I then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms, and I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebecca, take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they had said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to to
1: her mother. Thank you very much, Judy. Now, that story captures loyalty, The servant's loyalty was personal. He was immersed in it. It was not about the promise of a greater pay or promotion. His loyalty must have come because he has obviously gained something through Abraham, an insight into how loyalty works and how faith works. The faith of Abraham has rubbed on him, and it has also become personal to the servant. Abraham has obviously influenced him. He has caught a glimpse of Abraham and he has kept that glimpse. He has become influenced. And he himself now is able to worship God. You see him praying to God for favor. And when the answer was delivered, what did he do? He worshipped. His worship was spontaneous. It involves gift giving which is what we are all called to do, a giving of our very self first and our substance in worship. This servant found purpose. He pursued the objective purposefully. It's almost as if he read Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hands find to do do it with all your might. We see that same thing repeated in Colossians three twenty three to 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Let's put these two stories together in the last couple of minutes that we have. Abraham received a promise that he would become a great nation. He did not see that great nation, but he acted in accordance with that promise. It is acting in accordance with that promise that made him secure the best Plot lot of land to bear his wife, even though he had no deed, no claim to the land, but he was going to secure that. We call Abraham the father of faith because of him acting on the word of God while not yet seen. My brothers and sisters, this is also what makes us Christians. We are believers. we don't act because it's in our hand. We act and move because of the promise. It was sufficient to Abraham that God said. And that's what he took and he always ran with it. Today, God said is mostly in his word and his personal revelation to us. Now let's come back to Hebrews 11. 39, and 40. Hebrews 11 is the chapter of the Hall of Faith. A number of people are listed there. Abraham is listed there. Starting from Abel, Enoch, Noah, Moses, Rachel. Goes on and on to David and Samuel. This, it says in Hebrews 11, were all commended through their faith. Yet, none of them received in a physical sense. None of them received what had been promised. And that promise is the great promise in Christ. They did not receive it. By faith they did, but physically, demonstrably, they did not receive it. And the reason, it goes on in verse 40, is that God has planned something better for us, for you and I, so that only together with us will they be made complete. The imagining faith requires that we become, in a spiritual sense, a part of Abraham, a part of Rachel, a part of David, a part of Samuel, a part of all these great people so that we can complete them here and now. And in doing that, we usher in the kingdom of God. We translate his purpose into the blessings that he has for us. And when he's blessing us, he's blessing everything in our path. Everyone gets blessed. Ourselves and our household. We're going to stop there. And uh, I will just pray Quickly before I dismiss those who need to go, and then we can open it up for discussion. Father, we thank you for your word that's come to us today. We trust that your word does not go out void, it accomplishes what you said it to do. And you want us to be people of faith, being encouraged by these words and by those who have come before us. And having our eyes fixed firmly on you, unto the day of the Lord. So help us to live to as believers who trust in you and who act according to your purpose, so that we may bring pleasure to you, blessings upon us and our family, and the unborn generation. All to your glory, in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.